It's showtime, folks. Son now. Ali to the left. Son on a mission to go alone. This is sensational. World class. We got a great show today. We're going to go all across Europe and take a look at the what went down in the domestic leagues uh, this weekend. Then we're going to preview a little bit of the Champions League coming up on Tuesday and Wednesday. And then we're going to go to our movie review, Jingle Jangle, A Christmas Journey, with our movie critic, Rita Cinema. So that's what's on tap today for today's show. So let's kick it off with the English Premier League, and break down what went down this weekend. So let's start with probably the mi- biggest match of the week, Tottenham versus Man City. Tottenham put on a clinic, a Jose Mourinho clinic. Really, this is probably his crowning achievement win. With being at Spurs, they really look to be rounding into form here. And uh, can they uh, make a play to, you know, win the Premier League? Can a little Jose magic occur I don't know, but the way they're playing right now is really, really outstanding, and they just uh, put it on Man City. Man City looked uh, pretty lifeless, actually. Uh, once again, no real scoring uh, punch, uh, a lot of possession, uh, a lot of possession of doing nothing, really. Uh, no one seemed to want to take shots. Uh, nobody seemed to want to be the finisher, and, uh, you know, uh, as always with Pep, uh, there weren't a lot of crosses into the box. So uh, once uh, Sun got that early goal, uh, Tottenham set back, uh, essentially playing a back line of about six guys, and they were more than happy to watch Man City uh, just pass the ball outside and around the box, side to side, and uh, eventually they got one more uh, counterattacking goal, and that was it and done for. So uh, really impressive by Tottenham. Right now, I think they look like the favorites to win the Premier League, but it's pretty early. They have some more games versus some really top teams uh, coming up in this next uh, sort of Christmas month where the games come hot and heavy, and we'll see how they deal with that, and uh, we could probably better assess uh, Spurs' chances to uh, win the Premier League. Next up, we'll go to the... Liverpool-Leicester City game. Uh, Leicester City came out and didn't uh, play as aggressive as I thought they would with um, the bodies that were missing from Liverpool. It was really a sort of 
a mishmash unit of uh, Liverpool players um, out there on the pitch uh, this weekend. But uh, Liverpool looked good, dominated the game, and uh, Leicester City did not look good. Uh, Jota once again gets another goal. He's fitting in just beautifully with Liverpool, and uh, it was really just a courageous performance by Liverpool. And uh, no matter how far they're down, they still uh, looked uh, tell people that they're still the champs of the Premier League and uh, really impressive play with as many people as they had down and out. I don't know how long they'll be able to sustain it. Sustain it. Uh, it'll be very interesting uh, in their Champions League match uh, first at Atlanta uh, coming up uh, this uh, week. So uh, great game by Liverpool. Very impressive. We'll move on to Chelsea and Newcastle. Chelsea won this one. 2-0, and uh, continue to just seem to get better and better every week. Uh, Newscastle, once again, uh, did what they do under Steve Bruce. Came in, sat back, and uh, Chelsea just dominated the game. Why uh, Newcastle continues to just do this strategy uh, versus these top-tier teams, I don't know, because Chelsea just, you know, with their, with their you know, midfield and uh, forwards, they just dominated this game, and you knew they were going to get goals. Newcastle does not have the defenders to even sit back and play that type of style. So why they didn't test uh, that back line of Chelsea, I I won't know, especially with the speed guys they have up front. It's just uh, perplexing, really, uh, to me. But uh, that's the way they choose to play, and they choose to lose like this pretty much every time. Uh, not really a ton of chances. They had one shot go off the crossbar, and... Um, Chelsea just uh, found a couple holes. They could have had much, many more goals if uh, Timo Werner was a little more efficient in his finishing, but uh, he made the plays to get the goal, so uh, not too much to harbor there, and uh, this Chelsea team just continues to get better and better, and uh, a bunch of clean sheets here in a row. So it's uh, very, very interesting to see how uh, their season will uh, continue to break out go, going forward. Had two games I guess we have to talk about, but uh, really uh, we're just snooze fest. Uh, Leeds played a great game. How they didn't get a goal versus uh, Arsenal will really, really be haunting because uh, they were dominant pretty much the whole game, but uh, Arsenal was able to hold uh, a red card for Pepe and a cheap one at that. Uh, really stupid uh, to sort of do a fake headbutt, you know you're going to get caught with the cameras everywhere, but uh, Arsenal, once again, lifeless. Uh, no really offense to speak of, and uh, really just uh, lucky that they held on here to uh, sort of get a draw, a nil-dull draw at that, but uh, Arsenal, uh, bad couple weeks here, and uh, Leeds, uh, I think this one uh, will hurt a little bit, but uh, they played really well, just uh, no finishing for uh, Leeds there. Everton got back on track with a 3-2 win over Fulham. Uh, pretty good game. They continue to struggle defensively, and the last half of that game, uh, they were really on the back foot. Uh, Fulham was putting it on them. They continue to have trouble with penalty kicks. Why that is, I don't know, but uh, now it's just a sort of clown show as guys are tripping as they're taking them, but... Um, Everton's offense in the first half really carried him through. Good to have Richarlison back. Uh, Hamez played uh, really well, and uh, it sort of seemed when they took those two guys out, that's when Everton sort of died down. But uh, credit to Fulham for not quitting and uh, really pushing them and uh, making it a bit of a game. But Everton back on track. Uh, but the defense, once again, is uh, pretty worrying here. 
And the next one, we'll talk about the Man United uh, West Brom game. Uh, no Paul Pogba. Uh, so it, they went more into a defensive unit. Now, why that was, why they didn't choose to play Vanderbeek, I don't know, because West Brom offers nothing on offense. And this is exactly what this game was nothing. Uh, I didn't think Man United brought any offense, and West Brom never brings any offense. And this ended in a cheap penalty kick on a handball that sort of had to be called because those are the rules. Uh, West Brom got in the box. Uh, I thought it was a penalty, but uh, I could see it go either way. I definitely don't think you overturned that. If it had been Man United who got that, I don't think there was any chance in hell they were overturning that. But it is what it is. They got their one nothing win. Uh, can just uh, really looked poor after a nice win the week before. But um, you never know what you're going to get with Man United, and we got the dud. So we'll see how they uh, respond in Champions League uh, this week. All right, we'll go to La Liga and start out with the team that's top of the table and remains top of the table, Real Sociedad. I wouldn't call it a pretty game, but they got the result 1-0 at Cadiz with a goal in the 66th minute. So uh, they maintain their lead on the table and continue to play well. I don't know how long they could sustain it, um, but uh, as long as they keep pulling out wins like this, uh, I think they can maintain at least uh, for sure, you know, Champions League uh, placement in the La Liga table, especially with the continued struggles of Barcelona and Real Madrid. So a good win, not their... uh, most beautiful win, but uh, they sort of dominated this game. Cadet set back pretty much, and uh, just some poor finishing, but uh, they got their goal, and they got their win. Good win for Real Sociedad. And uh, speaking of Real Madrid, 1-1 versus Villarreal. Um, it was a pretty entertaining game. Uh, Real Madrid uh, missing a lot of guys, so uh, it was really tough Uh for them to play Villarreal at this moment, but uh, they came out with super energy. Uh, Eden Hazard looked pretty good. And uh, then by the second half, uh, I thought they started to really die down. I really thought Villarreal should have uh, won this uh, match, uh, but they just couldn't find a goal in those last 40 minutes and had, had to settle for the 1-1 draw. Uh, hard to take a lot from this since it was sort of a B-squad or Real Madrid, but... Um, I say B-squad, and they still had a lot of, uh, you know, elite players. But uh, it wasn't their number one team, Benzema and Ramos, being the two, uh, you know, most noteworthy uh, selections out of the lineup. But um, they got one point from this, and actually I think that's a pretty good result for them, considering all the people that were out. And then we'll go to the biggest game of the La Liga weekend, uh, Atletico Madrid at Barcelona. Atletico Madrid finally did it. I thought they dominated this game, and uh, that's what they needed to do. They weren't necessarily just sitting on their back foot. They they brought offense, and uh, they pushed Barcelona. Uh, a bad decision by Ter Stegen got the Atletico Madrid goal. They had many other chances, and um, just uh, this is the kind of result they need to win La Liga, and they push up onto the table. I think this mo- that win moves them into sixth place. So Second place, I mean, sixth place. But... Uh, Really nice result for Atletico Madrid. So um, can they uh, win La Liga this year? I think right now they are probably the favorites to do so. Uh, Barcelona, meanwhile, continue to just look dreadful. Why Antoine Griezmann even gets into games, I, I will never know. So it's it's really just, um, I don't know how long Ronald Kumon can 
uh, stick around too. They play pretty well in Champions League, so maybe if those results keep coming, they could stick around. But uh, right now in La Liga, they just look dreadful, and every team seems to be uh, chomping at their bit to play them because they know they can't bring anything, and uh, not even Messi uh, can save him, save them right now. All right, we'll move on to the Bundesliga. Probably the most shocking result. Uh, Bayern Munich did not win. Uh, Werder Bremen played a pretty good game. Uh, Bayern Munich looked a little uh, less than enthusiastic uh, coming off the uh, international break and uh, just didn't have good juice. And uh, they were able to get the 1-1 tie, but uh, I thought Werder Bremen played uh, really well in this game and uh, really impressive. Uh, They win a about uh, stealing a point from uh, Bayern Munich uh, and we're able to hold on at the end, but um, pretty shocking result. Uh, Leverkusen uh, continues to play well. Uh, 2-1 win on the road over Armenia and uh, just another nice result for them. I think they uh, stick around at third in the table right now. A really good result and uh, just really liking the way they're playing right now. I think they're playing... uh, really just uh, better football than uh, RB Leipzig right now. So uh, that's good to see, and uh, just uh, really nice to uh, watch them play uh, matches right now. So good win by uh, Byron Leverkusen on the road there. Gladback had a sort of uh, ho-hum return from international break, uh, a 1-1, and uh, a 1-1 with uh, Augsburg, who, you know, was down a man in this uh, matchup. Uh, Just... uh, Sort of a ho-hum effort after they've been playing a really good football for the last couple of weeks. Uh, I think that international break didn't do them any favors because they seem to come out a little sluggish here and uh, just weren't able to get any goals and even con- conceded that uh, last one uh, down a man. So a uh, little bit of a disappointing result for uh, Gladbach uh, this weekend. What wasn't a disappointing result was Dortmund winning 5-2 at Hertha Berlin. Hertha Berlin has not been playing uh, good football of late, and it continued uh, this week. And uh, Erling Haaland just uh, dominated this game. Uh, Dortmund started out a little slow, but once they got it rolling, they got rolling. And uh, I can't say enough about Erling Haaland. He is just a goal-making uh, machine. Uh, really impressive performance. Uh, Hertha Berlin continues to struggle. Uh, and also in the Bundesliga, Really impressive win by Union Berlin on the road in Cologne. Uh, just amazingly per- impressive performance. The way they stuck it out. They were, you know, struggling early on and uh, found a way to get this match in their favor. I, I just uh, unbelievable getting that goal in the, I think it was about the 70th minute. And uh, the way they fight, the way they're playing this year is just uh really an inspiration and they're uh moving up the table i think they're fifth so they're sitting in european spots right now can they get into the top four i think that will be really tough to break into the leipzig leverkusen dortmund byron era but uh right now the way they're playing a lot of spirit a lot of heart and it's uh really just exciting to watch rb leipzig uh, had a pretty dull day versus einart frankfurt uh just not a lot of life in this game. Uh, you could say that about uh, a lot of these uh, Bundesliga games. A lot of these teams coming off break. Uh, really, the only two I thought played with a ton of spirit were Union Berlin, uh, Dortmund, and uh, Bayern Leverkusen. The rest sort of uh, 
we're not quite as energized as you thought they'd be uh, starting back up. But uh, anyway, they they got the uh, got a point out of that, and uh, I guess that was good enough, uh, especially on the road at Frankfurt. Wolfsburg continued to uh, play pretty good football. Now, uh, Schalke did not come out uh, any better off the uh, international break. I thought they might have a little bit more life, but they did not. So Wolfsburg gets a nice little win there and uh, continues to play pretty well. Hoffenheim and Stuttgart played an entertaining game, but uh, the defenses were pretty shoddy on both sides. Come away with a 3-3 tie. So uh, that was a pretty entertaining game to watch if you don't like uh, defensive uh, football. All right, we'll go into Syria and probably the game and the result of the weekend. Milan continues their dominant form on the Syria table. Big win at Napoli, 3-1. Zoltan was once again just uh, ridiculously good carrying this Milan team who's just playing great football. Uh, they'd started out a little slow, but uh, the last uh, week or so, and uh, maybe you thought they were dropping off. They were not. Went into Milan, dominated that game, uh, just uh, played great. And uh, I think really right now, if I was uh, picking a favorite for Syria, I think Milan's the team uh, to beat right now. Uh, Sassolo uh, continued their really nice form uh, throughout the year uh, with a pretty easy win at uh, Verona. Itra Milan with a great comeback uh, versus Torino. Uh, that was an outstanding game to watch. Uh, Romion Lokaku played uh, excellent football, and uh, Inter Milan, who uh, started out real slow, just uh, was able to grind it out, fight back, and get a pretty big win. Juventus had a pretty easy day at Cal- Calgary. Uh, not much to see there other than uh, they actually scored some goals. Looked offensive a little bit, but it's such a poor team. Hard to take. The one I wanted to talk about a little bit is at Atlanta. Continue to struggle. 0-0 for Spezia. Um, I don't know if they're dropping off. I don't know if they're tired. Uh, They just don't seem to have the same spirit they had earlier in the year or uh, all of last year or the year before. Um, Can they get it together for this week's championship match versus Liverpool? Uh, I don't know, but... uh, just uh, disappointing to watch them uh, play poor football once again. Hopefully they can find their magic uh, and get back on track because uh, right now, not only are they, you know, struggling in Syria, they're dropping down the table by not getting these results. And I think it's going to be uh, kind of hard to move back up there. Milan's now six points better than them. Sassuolo's four points better than them. And that's not even counting Juventus, who you know will make a move up the table. Inter Milan's sitting right there. Napoli's sitting right there. Uh, Roma's sitting right there. So there's just a lot of teams uh, jumbled up there. And uh, if they don't start to play better football, they're going to sort of lose their spots out of Europe, uh, which uh, will just be disappointing because I really loved watching this team play the last couple years. Okay, so that's our domestic roundup across Europe in the soccer this week. Before we head to our movie review, we'll take a brief look at uh, some of the Champions League mashups uh, at least worth watching right now, worth watching uh, this week. The first one I'm going to really take a hard look at is uh, RB Leipzig PSG. Uh, The loser of this match is really going to put themselves in a top spot coming out of this group. So uh, that should be a really entertaining uh, matchup. Uh, 
the other one across from the group, uh, Man United, uh, playing the Turkish team. I don't know if I should try to pronounce this or not. Uh, Istanbul Bakshayir. Uh, but uh, can they bounce back uh, after losing to this team uh, a couple weeks ago? Uh, from what I saw on uh, Sunday, no. But um, who knows, because you never know what Man United team is uh, coming. So uh, that should be an interesting game. I don't know how much I'm going to watch it, but um, uh, they lost to him once before. Can they bounce back? And uh, PSG RB Leipzig, really important uh, matchup for uh, who's coming out of that group. Some other ones to keep an eye on are Liverpool and Atlanta. I already talked about that one. Liverpool dominated them a couple weeks ago, uh, just putting on goals and uh, showing the uh, poor back line of at Atlanta. And uh, just um, can at Atlanta backs back? Can they find a way to get the goals they need? Uh, they've just been in a really bad rut uh, the last uh, handful of weeks. Um, some other ones to take a peek at, Inter Milan, Real Madrid, uh, I don't know if the Real Madrid will have their full squad. Inter Milan had a chance uh, versus them in the first matchup and uh, just capitulated and uh, didn't close out that game uh, and let Real Madrid uh, get a goal in the closing 10 minutes of that game. That'll be a fun one to watch. Uh, and the other one I take a peek at because uh, it should be some pretty good and open football, Gladbach versus Shakhtar Dantesque. Uh, two sort of open, uh, exciting teams to watch. So uh, that should be a good game. Uh, Gladback uh, dominated him a couple weeks ago. Uh, we'll see if Shakhtar can bounce back. But that's our Champions League preview for the week. Now let's go to our movie review, Jingle Jangle, A Christmas Journey. All right, we're going to go to our movies review and bring in our movie critic, Rita Cinema here. We got the holiday film, Jingle Jangle, a Christmas Journey. So, uh, a Netflix film, I'd say entertaining and uh, nice to look at, but uh, just sort of a simplistic film would probably be my brief uh, display of the film. What did you think of it? Well, <clears throat> my description of the movie would be spectacular. <laughs> it's spectacular and energetic, and I thought a showcase for creativity. Um it, uh, just in the way of a little bit of background, it, it is sold as a Christmas story, but I think it's really much more than that. Um, but it presents a holiday tale that starts with a young, talented toy maker, Geronicus Jangle, in his magical shop of toys. And he's an inventor of toys with a great future in front of him. That's what you're presented at the very beginning. And he lives there with his wife and daughter. His daughter's name is Jessica, I think. And, um, is that right? Uh, anyway, um, uh, Geronicus, uh, he, um, has great enthusiasm for what he's doing and, uh, you know, he wants to become this great toy maker, but his sneaky apprentice, Gustafsson, I believe is the character's name, um, steals one of his prized toy inventions and takes credit for it and he then becomes rich and famous 
Um, and the toy maker is crushed over this. Um, and following losing his prized toy invention, his wife dies. His life just takes a turn for the worse. His, li- his wife dies, and he becomes str- estranged from his daughter um, as she grows up. Um, so it moves from this happy beginning to a time where we meet the older Geronicus Jangle, who is now rather forlorn. He's about to lose his toy shop because of financial uh, woes, and things are just looking pretty bad for poor uh, Geronicus. And, um, but, okay, we're going to save the day here. Uh, into his life comes his bright and very darling granddaughter, Journey. Um, she awakens uh, in him um, a little bit of a spark, and uh, he, she goes in and finds an old invention, uh, toy invention that uh, he, he had made many years ago, and she sort of brings it to life and wants to do something with it, and it kind of, it, bringing her into his life has just changed. He slowly changes, and he grows to love her, and the, Geronicus also has a new little apprentice working with him, and Journey and this young boy make friends, and they take the old, old toy, which is um, a little uh, robot, and um, they uh, uh, bring back Geronicus. Uh, um, I guess his uh, life comes back, uh, and um, he. Th- it's hard to say. He she goes through this period where she has an encounter with Gustafson, who also wants the new toy invention. He wants this invention because his career is going into the toilet. Anyway. Um, uh, it all ends happily with, um, and as I said, Geronicus was about to lose his shop, but the granddaughter saves the day, and, um, you know, he gets his shop back, and there's a happy ending and, you know, all of that. So, over to you. All right. So, that's pretty much a perfect summary of the film. It wasn't very good, actually, but you get the idea. Yes. Um, I think the positives in this was... Uh, it looked uh, ridiculously awesome and uh, was just a great, uh, I'd say, watch. You know, it's fun to stare at all the uh, Christmas sets and the way they have the stairs and sort of the steampunk uh, uh, most mosaic that they had around the robot and uh, everything else. And uh, the director, David E. Talbert, you'll, mm-hmm. you know, uh, is more... I a playwright more than a filmmaker. He's done a handful of... I was going to say, didn't he write the script yes, as well? Yes, yeah. a, he's a playwright and done a lot of plays. Right. And uh, I mean, he's done some movies, but they're they're like this film. They're sort of family uh, fun. Uh, he's done a couple other Christmas movies as well. But uh, this d- definitely sort of had the feel of a, you know, a filmed play more right. than a... Definitely. You know, a yeah. movie with, you know, a numerous type of things it was set in probably three different uh set locations and right. that was about it but they all looked great i i thought the song and uh dance numbers were real entertaining to watch and uh i the ro- robot uh part of it was a little goofy but uh it added some you know fun magical i'd say christmas mystique to the certainly uh, for kids they'll like that part. yes now this show has big and I mean big <laughs> musical numbers. They're uh, very forceful, big numbers. Big musical numbers, 
fabulous costumes from the period, um, and a dynamite set, uh, I think. Great art, went really. Yes. Uh, it, it looks great. And there are flying scenes, too. Yes. You know? uh, <laughs> so they, there's a little, you know, uh, magic there, too. Well, um, I, I wanted to, this is sort of like a magical Christmas uh, Peter Pan sort of uh, yeah, telling well, where you want to believe, where, you know, the whole point is to believe, and when you believe, you, you know, right. ascend to the higher power. Uh, well, um, most and most of it's live humans acting, but there was some animated puppets yes. in there as well. I don't think, I don't know if puppets is the right word, but... Um, and well, that, that was, was the other thing I wanted very to... Very artistic, very the, good. Uh, puppeteering uh, yeah. that sort of intertwined with the film as it was going on. I, I really did enjoy that, and I thought that was some great artwork. Uh, that went on uh, in between the uh, live action shorter shots there. And uh, I'd, I'd say take note, uh, you mentioned this as well, um, it really feels more like you're watching a musical theater production than a movie. It doesn't feel like a movie. It feels like, and actually I thought I might like it better Well, that's what <laughs> on I was... the stage. I mean, I liked it, but I certainly, uh, I think it would make a wonderful m- theater production of course right now the theater most the theaters aren't open but um and Forrest Whitaker stars as the older Geronicus um he and you know he's a just an outstanding uh actor Felicia Rashad another big name is the storyteller and I I didn't mention this in my summary but she's actually telling the story of Geronicus Jangle to her grandchildren and um so she you know she's the storyteller and behind the scene she's relating the story to her grandchildren and by the end uh, this is a little spoiler alert here we find out that she is um now as a grandmother herself that she was journey that she's telling her own story um i think john legend uh was one of the producers on this and i I think he also contributed to the music. Yes, he writing. wrote most of the music. Although there songs. was a group, I think yes, there was more than one person who worked on the music. Um, and I, uh, I do think there's really. I did think there was almost too much energy, if that can be possible, for the screen. And that's why I say, you know, if you ever go to musical theater, it's always over the top, and that's because they're up on a stage and they have to create this. Uh, you know, uh, huge production numbers. Um, and so it's always a little bit over the top with, but this had great dancing and singing and the sets, as I said. Well, uh, I think uh, they, uh, speaking of Fortis Whitaker, they really leaned on him to yeah, sort of. he was by far the best actor. To sort of carry, you know, this whole film. Uh, and then, you know, they brought in Keegan Michael Key to sort of, yeah. uh, he's only in maybe three, four scenes the whole film, but they, you know, he comes in and, you know, burst of energy, eat the screen, but uh, they really leaned on uh, Forrest Whitaker to sort of carry this movie acting-wise, and the rest of the uh, actors, uh, singers, were more, uh, you know, showpieces. Right. I'd say theater-style actors, where they're big, large presentation, where, you know, that would work great on the, uh, you know, stage, but uh, it's a, you know, it's a little lost on the screen, because it's, you know, a just a not that in-your-face style production. You're sitting at home on your couch uh, sort of half-watching this. Well, overall, I thought the ensemble cast uh, was good. Um, but the obviously, Forrest Whitaker is the actor, and actually he sings as well. Yes. And Felicia Rashad, everyone knows her name, but she's really more in the background telling the story, so it's not like it's an acting yeah, role Yeah, she's for her, really. just sort of the... Yeah. Uh, 
So I would say, it, you know, I really thought it was a wonderful production, and I've gone in and read some of the viewer reactions to it, you know, and um, it's being well-received overall, um, getting uh, good ratings, uh, and particularly from what I've read from families, uh, you know, who have children, and they are in enjoying it. Um, now, I'm not going to say, I, not everything I thought was positive, Uh I do think it's a fabulous production overall, and I give Netflix some credit for, obviously, they spent some money on this one, um, and, but I have a few little things. I It's a full two hours long. I went back and checked. It's a full two hours long, and I think particularly for something that has to appeal to kids, uh, young kids even, um, I thought it was a little bit long, and I also thought they tried to maybe pack a little bit there's so many different little storylines, and they may have packed um, a little bit too much in. They could have simplified the story, I think, um, a bit. Um, you know, I'm not a writer, so it would be hard for me to make specific suggestions. But I think overall, um, it you know, it's kind of it, the story is not. I, I mean, it, the the production is spectacular. The story is not. It's a pretty simple story, and I think they could have made it a little more concise. Um, and I also thought, um, I, you know, I didn't even think it needed, I guess it sells better at this time of year, but it didn't even need to be called a Christmas story because really the, it's more of a fantasy of, uh, you know, children, their families, the creativity of a toy maker and how they come together well, I to think that save each other. What the but, set design was. Yes, but the, but certainly having you know, Christmas being part of it, um, and, and sure, he's an inventor of toys and everything. Um, uh, anyway, the only other thing that I didn't quite like was the, the creation, the, the um, character Gustafson, the apprentice that steals the uh, Geronicus's idea, play, played by Keegan-Michael Key, um, I actually thought he needed to be a little more evil. <laughs> he was a little too nice. You know, he's a bad guy. Well, they the, need to the bad. thing I thought about that was he wasn't really a bad guy. He, oh, maybe. He just sort of had the in-between. He just wanted to be a toy maker like uh, <coughs> uh, Geronicus. And, well, I, And maybe. when he couldn't, he got sort of jealous that he couldn't be that kind of toy right. maker. And then, you know... I think they went with, there's always a good heart in there. It's just sort of yeah. greed gets the best of you at times. Well, they could have made him a little more, I don't know, evil, I think. Um, but actually the evil character is... Plus uh, I also think uh, Keegan-Michael Key's a little too likable. That's true. No matter I, what he does. You know what? Maybe that's it. It's the actor. The actor is a likable guy. Yes. So you don't think of him as being the bad. <laughs> Correct. Guy. Anyway, but there is a bad character that influences. Uh, uh, you know, he's sort of his mentor, telling him what to do when he's that young apprentice, and he's the one that tells him to steal the toy idea. And that's the little marionette matador, the toy matador, um, who's voiced by Ricky Martin. And that's right. Yeah, Ricky Martin. It is and Ricky. Huh? It is Ricky. Ricky. Yeah, after I said it, I wouldn't. And frankly, I thought he was annoying. I don't know. I think they could have. I would have liked to have just not to put that in and let the Gustafson just, you know, be evil. Um, 
just I I do get that, and and sometimes when you're making movies for kids, although really if you look at a lot of old Disney movies and stuff, the they don't want to scare them to death, but kids sort of like the you know mean bad well, characters. Yes, but they're course, all they getting canceled get, now, so yes. and they they want them to get their own in the end anyway. Um, and I thought the child actors were adequate. They, you know, they were certainly talented and very cute. I mean, that's what you want, the cute factor in there. Sometimes I thought they were maybe a little too sweet. I thought, you know, I was watching Journey and I kept thinking, does she smile during the entire, uh, you know, production? And she does just about. And I thought, you know, and then um, they had the other uh, big name actor we haven't mentioned is Hugh Bonneville. He plays the banker. And basically, he's he has to tell bring the bad news to Geronicus all the time that he's about to lose his shop, and he he doesn't really want to. But in and then they bring him back in the end. He's very happy that that Geronicus gets to keep his store and everything. But I kind of thought uh, the character. It's I mean uh, Hugh Bonneville is very good. I mean it's a small part that he plays, but um, you know I kept thinking. Yeah. Maybe they could have done a little more with that character too. Yeah, but it just seems superfluous. I think they didn't like, want to. Let's just put Hugh Bonneville in yes, here. You know? I think it was more they didn't want to knock off and have you know Scrooge the angry banker. Yes, for a I know. Christmas I know. movie, so they sort of made yeah. him happy and. Uh, oh well, that that part was okay. It's just it was such a uh, a character that plays a little part in the whole story overall that I kind of thought, well, well, they got him in there for, you know. He might have owed somebody a favor or no, something. No, I, I thought it was like or, stuffing in one more big star, <laughs> you know, or, just so they could have the Or name. it was probably a nice paycheck for probably a one-day shoot for him. So <laughs> Anyway, I did think it was a fun family uh, adventure, very creative, beautiful. Uh, again, the music... The, the costumes and the sets are beautiful. The, you know, the art production, very good. Sometimes the music is, uh, it. there are big numbers and it's good, but it kind of blew me away sometimes too. I thought, wow, these are really powerful numbers. They take over the, the whole movie. But I'm being ultra critical there. I'm getting picky. And I certainly would recommend this movie, yeah, particularly um, to families. It's who, essentially like a higher budgeted, more well done, uh, you know, lifetime Christmas, you know, yeah. movie. Um, so, but the Netflix wise, uh, these are sort of the ones I like that they yes. do. I mean, they're yeah. different levels that they do. They have their horror genre, which they, yeah. I think they actually do pretty well. And, uh, then they, you know, have their action genre, which I have not liked really any of those. And basically yeah. they throw out, uh, get big stars, get big directors in there. And then they sort of skimp budget wise on making the actual action movie. Um, and then they have their, you know, uh, rom-coms for the, yeah, uh, which, sort of teenage girls, which I haven't which loved that some much of them either. Are pretty bad. And, um, <laughs> you know, they, they don't put big stars in those, which might be part of the problem. Well, and, uh, you know, Production-wise, you sort of see, you know, they can't afford, you know, big motion picture style, you know, CGI mm -hmm. effects. So when they do something like this, where it's all, there's literally, you know, maybe two CGI effects when they're, you know, doing their little magic things. And yeah, and they're flying. They, yeah. they do. Yeah. But, um, but I, I think they do CGI, this well because they, they bring yeah. in, you know, decent stars, you know, Forrest Whitaker, yes. Silla Rashad, yeah. Hugh Bonneville. And then, you know, the story stays simple, the sets and shooting stays simple. And it's, I think this is probably what I've liked, you know, best from a 
Netflix uh, film genre, other than their, you know, Oscar ones that they pedal to, you know, win awards yeah. to, which is a totally different sort of. The thing. other thing is that sometimes their Christmassy or their holiday uh, productions have been really cheesy and bad, yeah. and this one's pretty good. Well, too. see, when they do this, and <laughs> you know, there's money behind it. I mean, there's not you know a ton of money behind it. It's a three set shoot, but. Uh, that's sort of what I like when I watch my Netflix films. I found that this genre has sort of been the one that I've uh, enjoyed the most. Well, I do think families will enjoy it, and I think adults who enjoy musical productions will like it too. Yes. All right. So, on a scale of one to 10, where are we going with this? Oh, I had a hard time coming up because I've got two, you know, I. I've got kind of two faces t- to my feelings about this oh, movie. Oh, you're like me last week. Where Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly what I thought of, that last week you gave it the uh, life ahead. You gave a fairly low rating because even though you recognized the good things about it, you didn't like the genre. Well, I can't say that I dislike uh, this genre. It's not that. It's more that... Um, Maybe I'm just too cynical a person or something. I I had a hard time. I thought this was a fabulously put together musical production, and I give it credit for that. But I just, as me as an individual, I have to admit I didn't love it. I uh, I was I wasn't even that entertained. Although as watch while I was watching it, I recognized that others would be entertained. So. I was leaning more a five. Well, see, <laughs> a six. See, you're at giving the it best. <laughs> well, I see. I look at five as good. That means oh. watchable. That means you should watch it. Oh, I, it's definitely watchable. That's what, but I didn't love it. Well, that's I. My personal rating was a five. I think yeah. at some point, probably during this Christmas season, watch it. I wouldn't have burled over the box office to go grab a ticket on this opening night on the IMAX screen or anything, mm-hmm. but. It should be watched. It's entertaining enough, and it would supplant two hours of your life. Well, I recommended it to my sister. Should we call her Movie Mary or something? My sister Mary Ann. And she loved it. She thought it was wonderful. Um, she doesn't have young children in her home. Uh, and she she told me uh, three thumbs up. She <laughs> so. might watch a lot of Lifetime movies, though. No, she hates those. I'm sorry, she hates those. I'm, I'm not, you know, she does not like that. Or Hallmark. She's not into that. I don't think so. But she did love, she thought it was, no, I think Mary's fair, she's an artist. She has an art background, and I think she recognized the talent there. Yeah. I. So, we both gave it a five. Go watch this at some point in time. Next week, we'll be doing the Dev Patel movie, The Personal History of David Copperfield. I know you've been waiting for this to come on the streaming service vibe so you could watch it. Uh, it didn't quite make it to the theaters because of COVID, so uh, that should be exciting to watch. Also, we'll bring in our new TV reviewer this Friday show uh, for the... The Queen's Gambit. <laughs> Little memory blank there. Uh, Dr. M. Sage will come in and review The Queen's Gambit for us. So that's our show for the day, and we're out. <laughs>